Hey everyone, this is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com, and I am here. You're listening to another DevOps chat. We have some really great breaking news on this DevOps chat. I'm really happy to have uh, snagged a dynamic duo of industry vet- veterans in the DevOps space who have just started what promises to be perhaps a game changer in the in the DevOps industry. Um, but they're going to tell us more about that. I don't know. Let me introduce you to uh, Harpreet Singh. Hello. Hi, Harpreet. How are you? Doing well. Thank you. Thank you. And and uh, Harpreet is co-CEO of the new company, and his co-CEO is no is none other than my friend Kosuke KK, founder of Jenkins, CloudBees, and all of that good stuff. KK, welcome. Hey, hey thanks. Okay, so let's let's talk about the big news. We we have a new company on the in the DevOps space called Launchable. Yeah, is that and and the both of you are co CEOs. That's right. Um, and uh, of course, with your track record, I'm sure you know it wasn't as hard as it is for a first time entrepreneur. But uh, Launchable's already raised some venture capital to help it you know, get off the ground, including some high-profile angels. Yeah. Talk a little bit about who's involved, who's who's put some money in. So so there are are two big institutional investors. One is uh, the Battery Ventures, and that comes from like a half-breed long relationship with uh, their partner, their mesh. I think, in fact, like your wives know each other. Like it almost feels like the insider. <laughs> um, and then the, another uh, the, we see is uh, uh, the unusual ventures, and the, the, that's started by John Briones. And John John actually has been also an investor at Cloudbeat. So these people like have seen us in action and know us well enough. So to you know to get their validation and a new endeavor, it's been uh, I've been truly grateful. Sure. Well, I'm I'm familiar with Battery back in my day. There was a guy named Jerry Colon out of Battery Ventures. I don't know if either of you know Jerry, but he was instrumental early on in Battery. Mm. Um, but yeah, they're a great company. Sounds like two, you know, kind of blue blood venture capital firms in there. There's also some high profile angels, including Sasha, Sasha Labrade, uh CEO of CloudBeast, right? Yeah, yeah. So I think uh, what was exciting for us as we were talking to people was just the you know phenomenal backing that we got from investors as well as you know uh, these marquee investors as well as individual angels, right? So uh, we both have been at CloudBees. So I don't like to think of ourselves as first-time you know entrepreneurs because we built CloudBees from less than ten people to wherever it is uh, you know today. Yeah. Uh, I had a sojourn to Atlassian where I spent about a year and a half really learning from that phenomenal company. So we were very lucky when people from CloudBees like Sasha, uh, Michelle, uh, Michelle Guzens, who was the VP uh, of sales there at some point, uh, came in and invested. Bob Bickle, uh, who's been an industry veteran, invested in us. And on the Atlassian side, where the CTO, Sri Dutta and uh, Noah, who's the head of tech teams, which is Jira, Bitbucket, Opsini, and all these, felt comfortable investing in our capabilities and our vision. Absolutely. And make no mistake, you're not first-time entrepreneurs, because first-time entrepreneurs don't raise money that easily, guys. (laughs) I mean, I think there'll be a lot of people who listen to this podcast who are first-time entrepreneurs and say, 
then if we only had their, you know, their background and their resume and their experience, it, you know, it, it wouldn't be as hard as it is. I, I think a lot of first-time entrepreneurs struggle, struggle right. with doing that. But that's great. It's always good to have money in the bank when you start, you know, a venture because it's needed. But as we were talking about off-camera a little bit, I've never met a successful startup entrepreneur who did not think what they were doing was in some way changing the world, making it better. And so I wanted to ask each of you individually, what, what really got your juices flowing? What, hmm. what really got you excited about what you guys are doing at Launchable? Sure. All right. So I'll start. So, you know, like one of the things so I started, I created this product Jenkins and uh, I felt like I put the uh, state of the automation in the software development forward to the next level in the world. And these automation, they produce a lot of data. And what I realized after a while was that, you know, in the rest of the world, in the rest of the business world, data is increasingly being used effectively to drive decisions and make people more efficient and so on. But whereas in the software development, I feel like that actually hasn't largely happened. And I felt like this was a great shame. One, as somebody who, like, you know, started help people produce a lot of data out of this automation system. But also, you know, we are the number of people, we are the data people, right? We are the pride of uh, the fact that we are rational. At least we like to think it that way. Mm -hmm. Yet, like, everywhere I look, like, I feel like we are making decisions engineering decision based on guts and instincts, and this can't continue. And so that's what I kind of like started thinking about after a while, and then this idea kind of grew and grew on me. So um, yeah, so that's probably like where my, like the heart that my juice got flowing. Excellent. Yeah, very similar. I think uh, Kosuke and me used to sit next to each other in the same office room at CloudBees, and we used to talk about this all the time. We, we got the opportunity to see sales and marketing really be completely numbers driven. And we would come back and say like, oh, if we could only do this on our engineering product side of the house, it would be so much better. And the answer always was like, well, it's it's a craft. And and we think like bringing data in there is is important. Right. And so that's sort of what got us both going. My, my personal anecdote was after I left and, and moved to Atlassian, I was talking to somebody out out in my customer base there and who had like this this challenge where their delivery velocity was slow and uh, you know their their aim was to put like a few engineers to go in and look at it and how to improve it and having the devops background and you understand ci cd i, I meant like there has to be a better way to do this than just let's allocate a few engineers and see what comes out of it so that's yeah. sort of the problem space and that's what excited us yeah. Excellent. And, and it is, it, it's almost ironic or oxymoronish even when, right. when you think about it, right? Because, so my background's in information security, right? And one of the things we, we have seen in security is information overload, mm. right? Data overload, right. the noise to signal ratio. And, but there have been, there've been a lot of security startups over the last, let's say five years, seven years, Mm -hmm. who have really tried to fine-tune that dial to get more signal to noise, to be able to automate, you know, going through the mounds and mounds of, like, log data, for instance, mm -hmm. right? So you get a company like a Splunk that can just suck log data in yeah. from everywhere 
and then try to figure out in an automated way, because there's just too much to go through by hand. What's important from a security point of view, or maybe even from a network operations point of view. But as you guys said it, I'm thinking, we don't really do that with our software development, do we? Yeah. So, and then, I mean, when you describe it, like, I did, it might sound like a little abstract problem, but I realized it's actually connected in so many ways to frustration that I have every day as a developer. Right? Like, if I, let me give you an example. So, you know, I was working on this thinking project, and it's a size of a project with lots of test cases, which is great. But what that means is like every time when anybody wants to make like a one line change, uh, the first thing that happens is the, the CI system comes in and we run the whole one hour test cycle before the code review happens. And then somebody makes some observations or a suggestion that, oh, you should change this part to something else. And then you, go, you follow that and another whole hour of testing. And then that's basically like, with those two hours, there are two hours is a long time to wait to get some change in. That's really, then that happens like all day, all, like all day. No, day. no. I mean, so let me be a half glass full kind of guy. Hmm. It's better than the, the one hour is better than the one day it used to be before we automated some of this stuff, yeah. right? I, I remember, you know, back in my still secure days and we would, we, we didn't even have a big enough infrastructure to do mm -hmm. the testing. We would have to outsource like unit testing and yeah. you know, all this stuff. And, um, and great. so, yeah, so let's talk about that one day thing, right? Because that, that's actually probably even bigger problem. So, and you, you said that it, that's before the automation, but I, I've seen teams every single day that actually have tests that runs for more than a day. You know, like imagine like a, yeah, like a auto, like a company putting cars together. That's a big software. If you test them all, it's in the cycles of weeks. So there are like a lot of pieces of software getting assembled together into something big, and that like a test gets even bigger. So what I started feeling is like, okay, so every time you do this, like it's not like everything is changing all at the same time, right? There's only small parts of the system is changing. And we rerun the whole test cycle. So what if we could figure out the right subset of the tests we run that are most likely to catch problems? So they not only finish quickly, but they also run cheap. And then you still get like a pretty sizable, meaningful feedback. You know, you're not gonna get the hundred percent coverage, but you might get you know ninety-five percent, and that's fairly good. And if that cuts the execution down in let's say half. And so these are the kind of things I thought the beta would actually enable. And I've seen some prior work. I've talked to teams who seems to be on the cusp of doing these things. And it felt like, yeah, this clearly makes sense. More and more people would need it. And I need it. And so that sort of like became the founding idea behind that. So that, so that was the issue we're looking to scratch here, as, as I say, right? Yeah. Right. And, so and you asked, deep, like, I'm sorry, again, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, and as we were sort of thinking about this, right? This we identified this problem, and we're thinking about like, so what's the company's mission, right? And we realize that every sort of software teams in the future, or even today, will drive every significant human achievement there. It's really hard to think about anything that's not being software delivered. And our mission now is to take these artisanal teams and and actually make them data-driven scientists to drive their velocity you know, and, and deliver software confidently. So that's sort of like our big itch and our big mission. Yeah, absolutely got it. 
So let me let me play devil's advocate a little bit. You know, one of the things we always used to hear, I heard it in security, I heard it in QA, was, look, we don't have enough time to do a full test, a full testing. Let's just test 80%, 70%, 90%, take your pick. I don't care what number you pick. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Murphy's Law says whatever you don't test, that'll be the thing somehow that that breaks, right, or that causes a problem. And and when we say, oh, my God, because we didn't test that, why didn't we test that? Right. Well, so I think, it done. right. Yeah, so if you think of, like, testing in isolation, then, yes, that's naturally a concern because, you know, we need every help and every confidence we can get out of the, the test. So, like, why would you skip that? That doesn't make sense. I think where it does make sense is actually, if you think about it, the software development lifecycle contains a lot of different tests at a lot of different points. So collectively, they should be seen as a whole system. Right? I mean, this, let's think like, so the code review, right? If that's the only point in which you're getting test run, then you want to run them all. But what happens is after the code gets reviewed and merged, then another set of you know, the same test will come in. So like, is it really important that you run all the tests before the code review and spend one hour? Or are you okay with 80% of the confidence that happens in like five minutes? Right? Then knowing that the rest of the 20% get code like, immediately after. I think there's an argument to be made that overall, like you'd be better off, even if like some, some program might slip down into the yeah. later, so long as it gets eventually code before customer sees everything. So I guess then that that begs the question is, can that be accomplished? What And to accomplish that, what's it going to take? Mm-hmm. Yeah, then that's what we are working on. I think, you know, the preliminary, so I have some preliminary numbers and they look good. Because if you think about it, the baseline that we are competing against is basically people running all the tests in the random order. Right? So you, literally, you cannot do any worse than that. So... Um, and then intuitively, as a developer, like I know that the certain tests are designed to catch certain problems in some specific things. So really, the only question is like, how well a machine learning model can learn these things over what amount of data? And that over time, I think I'm sure going to get better and whatnot. And I don't know how. I mean, I don't know exactly like what kind of impact we can create or what project. But I'm overall, I'm feeling pretty confident. And then you know, it just needs to be good enough to start making impact. And that's only going to go, go up from there. Harpreet, what does success look like for you? Uh, well, this has been a question that's been asked to us while we were raising funds. I, I like to think in terms of like, uh, so we've done this before. We've helped companies uh, get successful. Uh, what's in it for me is actually solving a problem for customers. So if you're able to get and solve it, you know, software teams problems everywhere to get, you know, to get their products in the hands of customers first, that's success for me. Uh, I know it's not sort of uh, putting like, you know, uh, the typical Silicon Valley, you know, 100 million, 200 million ARRs. Um, that's not where we are. Uh, that's not where my head is at. It's really helping people there's, you know, struggling with delivering software. Got it. KK? So, you know, 
one time I was walking in San Francisco airport and then somebody was, you know, be walking behind me and she said, oh, like you got a Jenkins pin. That's nice. Like, where can I get it? Right? And that to me is like a success. So it's going to be a difficult work to beat once more, but, um, you know, I feel like, um, I feel like it's a worth giving as shot. I mean, that's a kind of, I think it tells, I guess it's a, I sort of see it as a sign that you made a, you made a big enough impact in the world. Uh, and some people like and touch some people in pretty deep ways, and that to me is a that to me is a success. That's what I'm yeah, like itching for. Yeah. Okay, let's um, let me hold your feet, both of your feet, to the fire a little <laughs> bit. So we're you're now launched. This is uh, you know it's out there. The website's out at Launchable Inc. That's L A U N C H A B L E I N C dot com. Right. Um, when can people hope maybe to see a beta? When, when do you think you'll be out with, with something people can actually start using? You're really holding our feet to fire. Right? You have a product manager and an engineer here. I would like my you know engineering head to give me the dates on deliverables. That's, you know what? Classic. You'll make a so You and me are on the same side. That here. was a great CEO move right there. All right, Mr. Co-CEO, he threw you under the bus. What do you uh, uh, jokes apart, I think um, one of the things that we are actually doing at the moment are we are actively talking to prospects and customers. Uh, a lesson that you know we've learned over the years is is not build a product in vacuum and then hope that we've solved the problem. So we are actually uh, there is actually a, a beta invite list button on our website. Uh, what we are looking for is actually partners. Uh, who can come with us and tell us if we are solving the right problem and work with us to solve the right problem, right? So that's sort of where we are today. Um, I'll leave it at that and I'll yeah. put the dates to you. Yeah, so we have, you know, we have preliminary numbers, like I mentioned, like we have, we made some model that makes some impact. And now what I'm really hoping is find is like a design partners where we can apply the same technique on their system, their projects, and their source code. To see what kind of impact they would produce, mm -hmm. and then, so that's you know that really fundamentally needs teams who are willing to work closely with us. And is that to... some number that you can share on what uh, preliminary numbers? Yeah, so I mean, there's no guarantee that it's not gonna, it's going to apply to your system. But for example, like what what I was able to do is to select the 10% of the subset of the test cases, which is going to catch like a 40% of the regression right off the bat. So I guess you know. That's yeah. So that's the that that to me is like a pretty promising number, and you can only go from go up from here. So excellent. So look, both of you have have gone in a ton of goodwill, not only among your peers, as evidenced by the angel, you know, the investors list here, but also in the community at large. And in case, I mean, it goes without saying, within the Jenkins community, how well respected and and. Uh, I don't want to use the term worshipped. I'll go to your head, but but uh, you know how how honored you are in, in the community. What people maybe from the community listening, what can they do to help here? Yeah, um, yeah. I think the giving giving us their feedback that probably is the you know you know we 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 are working on something what we think is pretty exciting. And then we want to hear that, or if that's not the case, then that's also great to hear. So, so far, the conversations we had with, you know, people who are interested in this space, who are thinking about this space has been incredibly valuable. 
So if um, you know if you if you feel like some of what we discussed here is is you and your challenges, we'd love to hear from you. And also we're hiring, wink wink. So you know <laughs> everyone's hiring. Yeah. So if you uh, have, is it on the website? It is. Um, you know, one thing I got a lot more passionate that you know Gladys and Jenkins is sort of the passing the baton on to the next people, right? I felt like I got a lot more joy out of talking to the junior engineers and folks to steer them and mentor them. So I feel like what we can offer, and I know it's true, it's hard for you to do. So I feel like what we have right here is like an incredible opportunity to work, you know, sit side by side with these people, you know, that, you know, people like us who, that we like to think we build some credibility, but also passionate about nurturing other people. So, you know, I think if, if that sounds like your cup of tea, then... I'll, I'll jump on that. Uh, <laughs> so I, I think uh, CloudBees was a fantastic company. You know, Sasha uh, Allen is mm. just a great leader. He built a fantastic company. So we learned a lot of good lessons on what it means to be a good company. Then I ended up at Atlassian where, you know, I learned the same things from Scott Farquhar and the other folks. And we've tried to bring in all the great points from these two companies into this company, right? We are sort of values driven. We really thought hard about like the, the kind of company we want to build, the kind of impact we want to have in the world. And we are looking for people who share that sense of mission, right? To come on our team, right? And uh, if, if you find some of those guys on our team, that's fantastic. On the, on the former side of the house, again, we are you know, looking to solve problems for customers. You're not looking to do this in vacuum. So there's a general profile of people who are like, yeah, I hear this. I, I wish I could partner with someone and help you define what, go solve this problem for me. If you're that person, we'd love to talk to you and love to partner with you through those things. Fantastic, guys. We we are we're way over time. I I, I promised you fifteen minutes. I, I we might be coming up on a half hour. Um, I, I apologize, but let me close off by saying, you know what? Congratulations. You know, someone someone once told me new companies are like boats. The best days are the first day you get them and the day you sell them. But uh, <laughs> with that being said, it's also a lot of fun sailing them. So enjoy the sale, guys. Change the world. Um, if there's anything, of course, we can do here at MediaOps, you know, you can count on it. Couldn't think of two nicer people for uh, this new adventure and, and, and to take on this challenge. Harpeet Singh, KK, co-founders, co-CEO of Launchable. You can find out more at Launchable, Inc. Uh, this is Alan Schimmel for DevOps.com. You just listened to another DevOps chat.